good sleep is so essential. It's really critical to all aspects of our life, including to have a clear mind, a healthy body, and an open heart. According to a recent USA Today article, it says you can live only 11 days without sleep. And I hope you're not going to try because by day 11, you'll probably die. So sleep is critical, just like getting adequate food, breathing, and drinking water. There's two things I want you to know. One, you're not alone. And two, you can improve your sleep. And most everyone would really benefit from taking the time to do just that. Poor quality and duration of sleep now affect more than 70 million U.S. adults. And that was before the pandemic. Well, now we're well into the pandemic and this number has shot up dramatically. If we just consider our own situation for just a moment, how has your life changed in the last year and a half? How has your stress gone up? Did you have to school your own children in your home? Did you have to be in your house 24-7 with your spouse? Did you lose your home or your job? Did someone close to you have an illness or an accident? Or maybe you did. All these reasons, post-pandemic or long-term pandemic, means that our stress levels have gone up, it's hard to shut our brains off, and it's harder to go to sleep. Some of you know me personally, and some of you know me on Facebook. And so you may have seen my post recently that I have suffered from an injury on both legs that put me in a wheelchair for 11 days. They said a month and I was out in 11 days. And I have to tell you, the pain really kept me up at night. So I got another lesson in the importance of sleep and what it means to use sleep as a system of repair for the body and the mind. And even with our good tools, sometimes deep sleep isn't always possible, but there is a way to go into deep relaxation and rest and still get the benefits. Even if you can't fall asleep, you can still get those reparative rejuvenative benefits. And so there are so many things I want to share with you today, but also that there's always something that you can do. And I'm going to teach you 10 of them today, and I'm sure you'll find one of them that will help you. Welcome to the Breathe Better podcast. I'm your host, Sienna Smith. And as I said, I did have an injury in both legs. I am healing, so don't worry about me. I've got lots of tools, lots of friends and family to support me. But it's also the reason why I haven't recorded a podcast in six weeks. I've been healing myself. So let's get on with the show. We are now in season two, and I've got some great interviews coming to you in this season, as well as episodes like this on sleep, one coming up for chronic pain, one on relationships and more. So welcome to the show. And I am so glad you are here in my work as a yoga therapist for the last two decades, I've worked with hundreds, even thousands of people. And so many people have come to me with sleep issues, and they were just one of the many issues they were presenting with, but an important one, because in order to heal an injury, you have to be able to 
find a way to rest and get some sleep. So I've come up with these top 10 things you can do. A few of them are breathing exercises and some of them are lifestyle tips that I know have worked for others and they've worked for me. So I look forward to sharing them with you a little bit later in the show. In order to implement these tips successfully, I'm going to share some essential information about the science of sleep. So make sure to stick around for the whole episode. I've had my share of sleep issues at various times in my life. One of those times was in the early years of motherhood where I was so sleep deprived, or I should say completely exhausted. My mind was in a complete fog. I couldn't remember anything. I mean, everything had to go on a neon sticky note and they were everywhere. Another time was when I was opening up my small business, my yoga studio. I had no business experience. I really didn't even know what I was doing. And I had many sleepless nights wondering how I was going to survive. And it was right after the mortgage crash in 2007. Not a good time to be opening a business, but in the end, it did thrive. And I believe it did so because I finally did manage to find a way to manage my stress level and get better sleep. So for me, like so many people, lack of sleep impacted every aspect of my life. Let's do a quick quiz and see which aspects of life might be being impacted for you. Ask yourself these eight questions. One, is it hard to get out of bed in the morning? Two, how often do you feel sleepy during the day? Three, how often do you find it difficult to concentrate? Four, are you getting more irritable throughout your day? Five, do you feel sleepy after eating, while driving, or while watching a movie? Six, do you breathe through your mouth during the day? Seven, do you stop breathing at night or have sleep apnea? And finally, eight, do you snore at night? And maybe you don't know, so ask your partner or your child, and they'll definitely tell you the truth. How many of these did you say yes to? One, two, four, all of them. Even if you said yes to one, definitely be looking at getting better sleep. I do think that it's really important that we get honest about our sleep hygiene because we can make improvements. It definitely can be done. So let's talk about what is considered inadequate sleep. It's defined as not sleeping long enough or having poor quality sleep. So long enough means something like seven hours or more each night. And decent quality of sleep means that you can stay asleep soundly and not wake up more than one time a night. And also that you can fall asleep within 10 to 15 minutes of going to bed. How we feel and how we function in our lives relies a large part in our quality of sleep and Poor sleep leads to all kinds of things such as short-term memory loss, drowsiness, irritability, low attention span, forgetfulness, brain fog, and poor motor skills. There are also long-term health effects, which I'll touch on later. So now I'd like to share a few important things about the science of sleep. 
increasing your understanding will open up your mind and it will motivate you to make the changes that you need to do in order to get better sleep. Sleep pattern disorders include insomnia, sleep deprivation, snoring, sleep apnea, and sleep pattern disorders can lead to daytime fatigue, difficulty concentrating, as I was mentioning earlier both because they cause a disruption in our sleep and decrease the time spent in the deepest sleep cycles, which are the most reparative. It's the deep sleep that rejuvenates, repairs, and restores our body. And it is the most important phase of our sleep to our well-being. Let's talk about snoring because it's quite disruptive. Snoring occurs when large amounts of air is flowing through a small restricted opening either through a blocked nasal passage or through a mouth that is blocked by a tongue or by a partially collapsed airway. And snoring basically just prevents us from going into that deep realm of sleep where we get the most repair. Then there's a little more extreme situation. And now we're talking about when we stop breathing. Yes, it happens. And a lot of us have it and we don't know about it. Up to 67% of people with sleep apnea also experience depression. So it's really key to diagnose that if you have any inkling that you stop breathing when you sleep, even just for five to 10 seconds. Many of us breathe poorly throughout the day. We breathe too shallow. We breathe too fast. We take in too much air. And when we breathe irregularly during the day, it leads to sleep pattern disorders at night. There's a strong relationship between the occurrence of sleep apnea and people who spend time fully or partially breathing through their mouths during the day. Most sleep pattern disorders are caused by an overstimulated nervous system. And if we really think of most of the people that we know in our lives, Pretty much everyone has a overstimulated nervous system. So what are we to do? Really, it comes down to we are a nation now of humans that are wired and tired. And our brain is on overdrive from multitasking and long to-dos. And our body is stagnant from just not getting the exercise and the movement that it needs. We are bombarded by information from every direction. And we're on the go constantly. So until we stop and try to sleep and we try to stop the momentum of our day after a day like that, of course, it's really impossible to fall asleep quickly and stay asleep. So in our culture, this is another thing that it's really considered normal to feel tired. Ask anybody. They're going to say, yeah, I feel tired. It's almost like a badge of honor to say we're exhausted, like we're getting a lot done and we're successful. It's not normal to feel tired all the time. And it has serious short and long-term health implications. And here are six major health issues that poor sleep hygiene affects. Number one, weight gain. So research shows that not getting enough sleep is associated with excess body weight. Doctors now see poor sleep as a risk factor for obesity. So this one is actually quite interesting to me. Our metabolism and our appetite are regulated by hormones in our body, and those hormones are impacted by lack of sleep. So I'm going to talk about two of those hormones. One is ghrelin, and ghrelin is the hormone that stimulates appetite. 
So think of growling when your stomach growls, right? Ghrelin is the hormone that says, hey, I'm hungry. The higher the ghrelin means that our hunger gremlin is coming out more. And the lack of sleep means that we have less leptin. So leptin is the other hormone. And that hormone is released when you've had enough food. So it tells you that you're full. So if it's low, you tend to eat more because you're not feeling full. So sleep deprivation or lack of sleep means that you're not getting the signal to stop eating and you're stimulating the ghrelin and eating too much. So studies conducted at Stanford tracked the weight of a thousand individuals and the study measured levels of these two hormones, ghrelin and leptin. The researchers found that those who slept an average of fewer than eight hours a night had lower levels of leptin and higher levels of ghrelin and also higher levels of body fat. Another thing to consider is that less sleep we get, the more stress hormones are produced. And a lot of you are familiar with cortisol and cortisol is a stress hormone and it makes your body actually hold on to weight and store it in the form of fat because it thinks you're under stress. Isn't that interesting? I mean, your mind and body are literally thinking it's going to be tough to find food. So I know it's hard to believe in this world of Starbucks and 7-Elevens literally on every corner, but it's true. Speaking of convenience stores, (laughs) that makes me think of, um, you know, when do you crave chips or chocolate? Well, for me, chocolate, it's pretty much all the time, but it's usually when you're feeling stressed or a bit tired right? Your body is trying to get more energy and the increase in stress and tension is just making us want to eat more, particularly sugar and carbs, because they give us that quick pick me up so that we can keep going. And sometimes we mistake feelings of being tired with feelings of hunger. So is it possible that when you're feeling hungry, you actually just need to sleep? And think of something else that happens when we get tired. We drink caffeine and caffeine's half-life is about six hours or so. So if you're drinking caffeine in the afternoon, it's definitely going to impact your sleep. Finally, a contributing factor to weight gain is that when we don't get adequate sleep, we obviously probably don't feel like exercising either because we're just tired. And so then we don't burn off the extra calories and instead we end up eating more. So for all those reasons, poor sleep means that we're at a higher risk of gaining unwanted pounds. And this is true for all age groups, even children. So number two is increased risk of diabetes. And that goes a little bit with the hungry and the obesity and the weight gain thing. But a review of 10 studies involving more than 18,000 people found that people who got between seven and eight hours sleep per day, per night, have the lowest risk of diabetes. And those who sleep more or less than seven to eight hours have a higher risk of diabetes. Poor sleep also means your blood sugar and insulin insulin levels are impacted. 
So let's move on to number three. Poor sleep can mean that a person suffers from sleep apnea, as we were talking about earlier. And sleep apnea often leads to different kinds of cardiovascular conditions, including risk of stroke, coronary heart disease, irregular heartbeat, and high blood pressure or hypertension. And so that's number four, increased blood pressure. There's definitely studies that have shown that even a single night of inadequate sleep means that hypertension or elevated blood pressure exists the following day. So number five is mood disorders and chronic sleep problems have been linked to depression and anxiety. Getting less than five hours of sleep a night makes us less able to cope with daily stressors and emotionally we're just more taxed and we get more angry and sad and exhausted than people who get adequate sleep. Disrupted sleep can also trigger hyperactivity. So a different kind of mood disorder is where we're just going, going, and we can't really focus. That also includes attention deficit disorder. Number six, pain. Sleep disturbances are present in 67 to 88% of people with chronic pain. And over 50% of people with insomnia have chronic pain. So sleep and pain is considered to be reciprocally interacting. So less sleep equals more pain and more pain equals less sleep. That sounds like a seriously dangerous downward spiral. So to get out of pain, we need to find a way to get enough sleep. Sleep is obviously critical to our health and wellness. So what happens when we sleep? During sleep, your body and mind get repaired. Sleep happens in phases and cycles, and each cycle is really important, and it completes a whole system of repair that we need to be our best and our highest selves the next day. There are two basic phases of sleep, REM and non-REM. Most of the time, is spent in non-REM sleep, which has four stages. And this phase, the mind and body are in rejuvenation mode. And most functions slow down like thinking and metabolism and breathing. Your body is actively rebuilding tissues and it's detoxifying the body from that day's activity. And your brain waves even slow down. So non-REM sleep is interrupted three to five times a night by cycles of REM sleep or REM sleep. In REM sleep, your brain races, your eyes dart back and forth, you foam at the mouth. Well, not really. Your body temperature rises, your brain is very active, but your body is basically paralyzed. And dreaming happens in this stage. Both non-REM and REM are important. And it's been said that deep sleep non-REM sleep restores the body, while dreaming sleep, REM sleep, restores the mind. It really is the whole cycle that restores the body and the mind. Our tissues get repaired and our organs get detoxified, and that includes our precious brain. So our brain is what controls most of our body functions, so rebooting the brain when we sleep is really critical to our health. So what is your brain doing when you sleep? And I find this fascinating if you know anything about brain waves and how they measure them. Understanding the different types of brain waves, I think, will really help you know the stages of relaxation and will help you sync up and hook up 
to them if you can really imagine this happening in your brain. And if you can't fall asleep, then you'll also know how to access states that will at least help you rejuvenate and restore your body, even if you can't fall completely asleep. There are four primary brain waves. It starts out with kind of the most active, which is the beta, then alpha, then theta, and then delta. Now, beta is where the mind and body are awake and alert, and the sympathetic nervous system is really active. The alpha state is where the mind and body are more calm, and this is kind of that relaxation state or the state you might get in Shavasana after a good yoga practice. And this is where the parasympathetic nervous system is more active, and that's that rest and digest. So a really key part for us to get into throughout our day is this alpha state. Then we have the theta state, which the mind-body is in very deep relaxation. We're at a very high creativity level, and this is also where we get these ahas and these insights. And then finally, delta. When you're in delta, you are sleeping. You are a saw on those logs, and you are your brain waves are very minimal. They're very slow and minimal and lethargic. That's the state we really want to get to when we're sleeping. Now, an interesting study performed at the School of Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine in Thailand studied brain activity during deep breathing. They recorded brainwave information and stress level data from 16 healthy individuals while they performed deep breathing exercises. So the exercise was six breaths per minute, basically, which sounds good. Um, But this part is what I find interesting. So they did a four second inhale, a two second hold, and a four second exhale. It seems as though they were trying to harness the power of the stillness in the holding of the breath. They all started in the beta wave form. So everybody was, you know, very active, thinking, sympathetic nervous system. Then they started doing this breathing technique. Within four to six minutes, all the participants showed alpha brainwave activity, which again appears when someone's in relaxation. The body is calm, the muscles relax, the heart rate slows down. And alpha wave activity is also found in highly creative individuals. So this is a great place to be if you're a creative person. This deep breathing technique also promoted theta brainwave activity which occurs during extreme mind relaxation and also some delta where there was just complete letting go into sleep. So theta and delta brainwaves are found in the later stages of sleep, which is key time for the body to restore and renew itself. In these deeper states, one restorative effect is that the blood pressure drops by 20 to 30 below waking states. Another is that the pituitary gland releases growth hormone, which stimulates tissue growth and muscle repair. That sounds good. Especially those of us who are aging, we definitely want to take advantage of those growth hormones. Also, the body produces more interleukins, which is really key to support immune function. So we want to keep in mind that getting into those theta and delta brain waves which are deep relaxation and sleep phase is really key. So this and dozens of other studies show that breathing can help. And so how breathing can help us fall asleep and get better quality of sleep. I'm going to share that in a moment. 
improvements can be made in sleep patterns by addressing two important factors with our breathing. Decreasing mental overstimulation and an overactive sympathetic nervous system. So it definitely can help with that. And then number two, increasing the activation of our parasympathetic nervous system. Tons of studies have proven this. And the stress of not sleeping increases the hyperarousal of our sympathetic nervous system. And this really creates a vicious cycle. Researchers of an extensive study in 2019 have shown that regulating the autonomic nervous system, autonomic is both sympathetic and parasympathetic, can be done with slow measured breathing. Slow breathing also increases the production of melatonin. And melatonin, a lot of you know, you've seen it on the shelves, it's a sleep-inducing hormone that our body produces and it improves vagal tone and inhibits the activation of the sympathetic nervous system. So here we are at our breathing techniques and tips. I have three scientifically proven breathing techniques and six tips that can help you get to sleep faster and stay asleep longer. Breathing technique number one. This comes from the Buteyko method. They say to breathe light, slow and deep for 10 minutes before bed. Paying attention to your breath takes away the focus from the mind and it reduces air volume, which activates your parasympathetic nervous system. Breathing number two is a breath-based body scan or focusing in on one small part of your body like your hands and your feet. Breathing number three uses imagery distraction with diaphragmatic breathing for three minutes before bed. And this includes picturing a scene that's engaging or pleasant and making it clear in your mind's eye and then using your diaphragm to breathe slowly in and out, maybe to a count of five or six seconds. Coming up in a few minutes, I'm gonna guide you in two of these breathing practices. And these breathing remedies, they take practice, so make sure to get that practice in. Now let's get into those six tips. So tip number one is to use mouth tape or a small strip of medical tape at night. So that ensures that you are breathing through your nose and not your mouth. Patrick McEwen of the Buteyko Method, he recommends myotape and some other things. So listen to also the Nose is King podcast. That episode talks a lot about why we'd want to use mouth tape. Now tip number two, breathe through your nose both day and night. Nasal breathing leads to better lung volume, diaphragmatic function, and increased nitric oxide, which keeps our airways more open. And as a result, we sleep longer and better. So again, make sure to check out that Nose is King episode. Tip number three, sleep on your side. How often are you sleeping on your back? Maybe we don't know that. I know for me, I put a pillow behind my back to make sure that I don't lie on my back. Back sleeping has a much higher rate of sleep apnea and snoring. So that's obviously gonna really interrupt your quality of sleep. And sleeping on your side, you're much more likely to breathe better. Tip number four, decrease your screen time two hours before bed. Okay, we all know that one, that blue light, it really bothers our retina. And so we wanna decrease the light stimulation on the retina and the brain. Number five, don't eat late at night. 
and really keep those chips and french fries away because the greasy food really causes reflux and that reflux can really um, interrupt our sleep. So number six, sleep in a cool, airy bedroom free of dust and allergens. Sorry, Sunny Cat, you're going to have to get out of the room. <laughs> well, lately, for whatever reason, Sunny has been literally sleeping on top of me. So what I did is I got an air purifier. So a HEPA filter will help to purify. And then I also just wash my bedding more frequently. So that's number six. Make sure to check with your doctor if you have any questions about any of these breathing techniques or tips that I offered. And make sure that you're always modifying these practices as needed. Now let's get on with the practice. In this episode, I'm going to guide you in two key sleep-inducing breathing techniques. Breathing is not a pill. It's a practice. So sometimes the breathing works instantly, but most of the time, breathing practice, we really have to cultivate this remedy. And that increases in effectiveness over time. So plan on doing some type of breathing practice daily, even five minutes before bed can really do the trick. Good changes will happen and you will get results. Plus, you won't have any of the side effects that sleeping pills or other sleeping aids often have. And best of all, you will be the master of your own breath, body, and mind. Breath practice number one. Light, slow, deep breathing. Find a comfortable position, and that might be sitting upright on a chair, or sitting cross-legged on a cushion, or even lying down. Light, slow, deep breathing. It can take some time to regulate your breathing, so you can always go back to your natural breath anytime you need to. To start, let's take a cleansing breath. This is going to open up and clear out your lungs. So let's inhale through the nose and imagine the air going to the bottom of the lungs. And as you exhale, feel the air spilling out making sure to exhale through the nose. Now slow the breath down just a second or two. Feel that you actually don't need a lot of air. You're getting plenty of oxygen simply by breathing light slow and deep. Notice your belly softly moving up and down, but there's not any movement in the shoulders. There's no movement in the collarbones. 
minimal movement in the chest and minimal movement in the belly. The air is coming in at a steady, smooth stream. Like a soft river flowing. It's nourishing you on every level. Body, mind, spirit. Still feeling very comfortable with this pace of breathing. Staying as fully and completely relaxed as possible. The air coming in is soft light like a feather the feeling is more like clouds floating by in a clear blue sky Feeling the whole body surrendering to the lightness, to the levity of the breath. Let's take a few more breaths, taking in just enough air Slowing down the breath and pulling that breath deep into the lungs. Feel the peacefulness, the sweetness and the simplicity of light, slow, deep breathing. Now we're going to go right into breathing technique number two. In this one, we will focus the breath on our feet. The feet are far away from our brain. So we're taking the energy away from the brain and bringing it down to the feet. So allow the breath to come and go. 
and breathe at a normal pace, maybe four or five or six second inhale and a four, five or six second exhale. Now on this inhalation, feel the diaphragm. It descends and the belly might move out slightly. When you inhale, fill the lungs completely. Then as you exhale, send a long flowing exhale down to your feet. Take an inhalation. And again, the exhale goes down the tubes of your legs all the way to your feet. Feel your feet receiving this breath, welcoming this breath. And knowing this is connecting you to powerful, grounded earth energy. Inhaling, using your diaphragm, nice full breath. Exhaling all the way down to your feet. Feel that long exhalation coming down to the earth through your feet. One more breath, just like that. the breathing techniques all together and notice how you feel. Feel the powerful, connecting, relaxing effects of guided breathing. Using a simple practice like this can down-regulate your nervous system and prepare you for the best night's sleep ever. So thank you for being open and joining me in this potent breathing experience. I'm so happy to be your guide. And if you'd like to work with me more, you can visit SiennaSmith.com. You're welcome to send me a message or join one of my workshops or online courses.
Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend if you feel they may benefit. Wishing you a beautiful rest of your day or night, and we'll see you next time.